0: Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. So do you want to begin by telling me um, what's happened since last we spoke?
1: Yeah, the um, I think we spoke on Sunday, I think, Sunday the 5th.
0: Yeah.
1: And on the 6th, I guess that was Monday, um, my mom passed away. I'm told, peacefully at 7.15 p.m.
0: How did you find out?
1: Um, I had been in contact all day with the critical care team. I actually got a call in the morning from the palliative care team uh, being pretty clear with me that... You know, my mom was not expected to recover. She was completely dependent on life support. Um, Mm -hmm. And that the doctor had said, you know, she wasn't coming back. Um, But not all the members of my family were comfortable with withdrawing life support yet still. Um, And while that was a decision... Ultimately, that my mom had left up to me. She wanted the family involved, so we kept her kept her on life support that day. And just every couple hours, you know, would get an update from the nurse or doctor, which is more often than we heard from them previously. Just you know, letting us know that she was um, showing signs of failure in other ways. You know, her organs were showing signs of shutting down. Um, So, uh, I talked to them maybe around six and gave them, told them, you know, after they let me know her latest results being worse Mm. and worse and worse, told them that we wanted to withdraw the life support, which... Which meant that she got to go in a controlled way and um with the you know, a lot of great meds, which yeah, you know, as I mentioned was important. So I um so they did it, you know, the doctor actually had been telling me the previous couple days that while he didn't think there was much of a chance of any that my mom would recover, that if it was his mom he might hope for a miracle and give it a couple more days on the on the life support. But when she started failing, you know, her liver, her kidneys, sorry, kidneys were failing. And then her vascular system was going, her circulatory system was going, her, her limbs were turning blue. Um, and so, you know, he changed his mind. He said, this is the time that I'd let my mom go. So we did. And they, they had said, uh, when we take her off, it's going to go quickly. And it did. It's very fast after they um, took her off the vent. So I appreciate that. Yeah. And I, they called as soon as it was over, said that she went peacefully, you know, quickly. She was on the comfort care meds, you know, and, uh, he also said, you know, when we turned your mom over, cause she, at that point, so you and I talked on Sunday, um, this was Monday, And she'd basically been on her belly for several days at that point. And um, then, of course, she was having these vascular issues. And they turned her over. They said she looked much worse than they realized, you know. Um, So it was really, you know, even more the realization that that was the right decision and and that... um, Yeah, she wasn't coming back from it.
0: Did you get a chance to say goodbye?
1: I did. Um, We somehow managed for six people (laughs) to say goodbye. Um, They had a wonderful nurse, Nurse Dan, who was taking care of her at the end, and he... um, you know, he called me and he, he just left the phone open next to my mom's face. And each of us took turns. He left the room because, you know, he didn't want to be exposed to COVID for very long and to give us privacy. And so each of us, you know, we were texting each other uh, for, for who should go next. But each of us got our time to... You know, in the case, I think some people it wasn't a good they were really hoping she would yeah. pull through. So I don't know that it was a goodbye so much as aI love you. Um, in my case, it was a it was a goodbye. I ended a love you, obviously. <laughs> um, she um, yeah, so she heard from from six of us. she had already heard from a couple others earlier in the week, a couple other of her sons. And they felt good about where they were with her
0: um uh, was she conscious
1: and they say no you know like mm-hmm. uh she's not meant to be <laughs> i hope she wasn't <laughs> you know it's like on some level somewhere in the consciousness of being able to hear something like that when you're sedated of course i do hope she heard us yeah. but i also hope that she wasn't awake to know what was happening, you know.
0: Were you all then on an audio, like a separate audio feed, or was it on a Zoom call kind of thing?
1: It was all, this one was just audio. It was just an audio phone. Most people had decided, and actually the the nurse had recommended, she didn't look good, you know, she'd been, On her belly and she was swollen and you know um yeah the nurse uh just suggested that we not uh do video um plus it was easier because he didn't need to stand there and hold it um so we just did a a audio only through a speakerphone and then each person conferenced in the next person and so, um, that's that's how we, and then we sort of texted, well, we have we were on this other app we used called House Party, and we were kind of on house Party, sort of telling each other when we were done. Um, there was one mistake. <laughs> one of somebody early in the chain hung up in a way that the phone was just we lost the call. So Dan's phone was just sitting there. Kind of dead, um, so I had to call the, the front desk and kind of let him know and be like, Hey, do you mind if we try that again? <laughs> and he didn't mind at all, he was fine. Um, so there were some technical challenges. Uh, I kind of wish we had been able to do that, and maybe we could have, like, every day, uh, but I also know that it's a pretty big effort on their part.
0: Once that call was finished, what did you do? You just talked me through the like so so when my mom died, right, there was loads of people mm-hmm. around and and then and then everybody sort of falls yeah. away, and I was just kind of sitting there <laughs> and um me and my sister Sinead, and uh there was this kind of weird conversation with the undertaker uh, with a couple of my older siblings about you know, what model of coffin you're going to have, and <laughs> you're going oh, to have so the soon. deluxe or, the, or, the, or the, <laughs> the mid-range or the simple, you know, and, it, you know, do you want to have sandwiches uh, after the mass or do you want to just have soup or do you want to have soup and sandwiches? Because, you know, there'll be a lot of country people there and country people like a bit of soup for their sandwich, all that stuff, right?
1: Right, as soon yeah. as she passed. yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. Oh. Um, you know, within like <laughs> 20 minutes, half an hour, you know, um,
1: Thankfully, thankfully we didn't need to do that so soon. I, um, I was at my sister's house. She's in my, she's in my social bubble for, um, the virus. And so I go, you know, we spend time together and, um, and with her children. So I was with her when, um, we made the call I also had another brother my one of my older brothers who joined the call with me as as my strength um I think also kind of to make sure I didn't back out change my mind <laughs> because um, I think that's a really you know I think it's a really hard thing to even with all the evidence in front of you to say like okay like that's enough um let's stop and so i had him you know talking to the doctor with me to give the orders and um and i had my sister with me but yeah you know we you know we've been talking sort of constantly for the, we had been talking sort of constantly for the last couple of weeks and i think You know, once the orders came through, we sort of all got on the house party app together to see each other and then just, you know, waiting. But yeah, like if it wasn't for the virus, I think we'd have, well, first of all, I think we'd be at her bedside. We'd be there when it happened. Um, And then second of all, I think, yeah, we'd be with each other for a little bit in person. And then we did fall kind of, Each of us kind of went to our own mental space, I guess. Um, Because it's really hard to know, you know, what to say to each other, you know, to give solace when you're yourself grieving, you know.
0: Yeah, and uh, and I I think the physical separation makes it also... It's like this. It's like one of the strangest experiences of your life, right? And then it's it's compounded by the physical separation and the, the just the strangeness of the the moment that, that everybody's in, you know.
1: Yeah, that's something I've been thinking a lot about, which is you know that it is um, it is a rite of passage to lose your parents, you know. Um, uh but doing it in this way has just been very weird. I don't have anything to compare it to. Mm-hmm. Um, I really, but I mean I, I lost my grandfather, we were at his his side. Um they also did comfort care meds at the end of his life and um I lost an aunt and um uh, she was gone before I could get there, but my siblings were able to be there and, and then I was there for them mm-hmm. afterwards. So I've definitely gone through um, grieving with this, you know, with my siblings. But I think when it's your mom, it's just, it's on another level.
0: Yeah, for sure. (laughs) Um, Sorry that you had to go through that, you know.
1: yeah I think it's definitely you know definitely the hardest thing that uh, so far which actually isn't bad if you're if you're 41 I haven't had anything harder than that necessarily to, to to have to face or deal with or make a decision about um but I still think it's too too young I would have preferred to make it twenty or thirty years from now.
0: How, how are the rest of your family doing now that a, a few days have passed? Uh,
1: I think I think everyone's okay. I think they're doing they're similar, I think, to me, which is the whatever those sort of hormones are that are released in your body when you're in the middle of the situation, you know, this like lets you be part of the situation and make decisions Mm. and be alert is what, you know, it was kind of where I was last week. Um, I think they've switched to whatever other, (laughs) whatever kind of sort of hormones that make you uh, weepy and sleepy. So I think there's a lot of naps, not a lot of sleep at night, but a lot of naps mean, check in still with each other, but I think I think people are also like retreating a little bit in the corner to to be sad.
0: And what are the arrangements given the COVID situation with your mom's funeral?
1: Um, so it's it's not open to the public. It's not open uh, to. We've decided to keep the. Attendance only to her, her immediate family and, and their spouses. So that's about 15 people. And we don't. Really
0: at the moment in Arizona, if you wanted to have a public funeral, could you still have one?
1: You can, which I right. I was incredulous about. We could actually have, um, at this particular funeral home, we could have up to 50 people right. uh, total. And I've been hearing from other funeral homes like, Some of them allow more if you do a rotation. So as long as there's not more than, you know, 10 people in the building at the same time, you know, maybe for visitation, Mm -hmm. you kind of allow more folks, they just come in 10 at a time and then they like hang out in the parking lot. Um, That's not uncommon from what I'm hearing with funerals. And to be honest, I think that could happen with us too. Like, I can't stop it if people show up, I can only stop them from coming in, I guess, um, but the funeral home, you know, so yeah, we could have 50 people, but we just decided as a family that, especially cause she, cause she passed of COVID, you know, every single person that we have, there is another risk of getting infected. So we're being really careful about that yeah. number. Um, and the funeral home itself is, uh, requires masks. And they have set up their seating in the chapel, you know, to be um, distant in terms of the rows being cut off. And they're only, I think she said, even if we had 50 people, it would still be like half capacity, maybe 25% of capacity for them. Right. So it's, you know, it's going to be spacious. um, And they're going to do a Facebook live streaming. Mm Mm-hmm of the services.
0: Right. Right.
1: So we're hoping that people attend and it helps provide some solace and that it's beautiful for her.
0: Yeah. What was your mom like? I I met her at your wedding um, and I think (laughs) that's the only time I, I met her over that sort of week. Um, what was she like? She was
1: um, She was bright, she was funny. She was articulate and eloquent, I think, in her speech and then the thing that I think was one of the most important things to her in her life, which was singing. Um, so she had an amazing voice. So if you knew her for very long, he definitely heard her sing. Um, I think helping people was especially important to her. So if you talked with her, chances are you might get some advice <laughs> about your life or something. I mean, she was pretty respectful. She wouldn't pry. Um, she sort of grew up in the Midwest and California. So she had this mixture of like Midwest sort of manners and passiveness, passive aggressive, (laughs) Um, you know, just not wanting to be in someone's business. But on the other hand, she had sort of the toughness you can get, especially growing up in the foster system in the sixties in California, which is how she grew up. And so she was tough. She was very tough. And she was a fighter, and she would defend. You know, once you were in her circle, she she'd defend you.
0: Um, you know, as far as she could. What do you know about her experiences growing up? Where, and uh, how did she come to from the Midwest to California?
1: She, um, let's see, her parents were both from Elkhart, Indiana, and that's where she grew up. Where, I'm sorry, that's where she was born. Her grandparents lived there. Um, but her, her mom, uh, her mom was an alcoholic, and her mom made a lot of poor decisions, and she was neglectful of her children. So she, she ended up bringing the ch- her children, she had many, many children. She ended up bringing at least three of them, and I think maybe five, out West, um, for a new life. And, uh, I don't know all the details. Sometimes, you know, they were the kinds of things that I kind of wish I didn't know when I was a little kid, like that you shouldn't tell a kid. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, I still don't think I knew all of the details about how she ended up in foster care and what, what the catalyst was for someone to say, Hey, these kids are being neglected. Um, but she, they were, and my mom was, uh, left in charge a lot. And so I think that was a lot of her toughness and a lot of her, um, you know, ability to sort of fight for, for someone else because she, she took care of her sisters. Um, she was lucky to end up in a couple of good foster homes. I think her sisters didn't have, as much as great of luck
0: was she still did she stay in in touch with any of her foster families
1: she did actually we one of her um one of her foster families uh was in anaheim california and that was she was in high school i think when she was in that foster home and so when we were kids uh growing up in in Arizona we would drive over there to Anaheim of course we'd get to go to Disneyland which was great (laughs) um and (laughs) and we'd stay with Mimsy and Papsy they were called they were really strict actually foster parents because they had a lot of foster children and um so some of my mom's parenting she didn't have a lot of great modeling you know from her own parents so some of her parenting modeling came from that house and so you know dinner manners and all sorts of things that seem really old-fashioned, I'm sure, if I told a kid today. Um, What like? Like like if we were talked with our mouth full, you know, or, you know, we'd obviously get a warning, but then if we kept doing it or touching our hair or something like that. We had to stand up behind our chair, and wait for everybody else to finish eating. Touching your hair? Before we could finish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's bad. Touching your
0: your hair is bad. You can't
1: touch your hair. You can't touch your feet. Don't do any of those things.
0: Don't touch your feet.
1: Don't touch your feet, not while you're eating. Especially
0: not if they're on the table.
1: Exactly. (laughs) Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think you should. I mean, you shouldn't even go to the, come to the table barefoot. Right. You know, but if you do, you don't touch your feet. So yeah, we had to stand up behind our chair and just wait for everyone to finish eating, and then finish and then apologize and finish eating. So there are some, you know, she definitely picked up some old school (laughs) habits of parenting that we, you know, we had to do when we were younger. And I don't, you know, I don't think they scarred me too much. (laughs) Maybe just a little bit.
0: It's only when you have kids of your own that you'll you'll realize how much of those you've absorbed yourself. In, re- in turn, when you start telling, oh you them.
1: know. If I had if I had tried to pull any of that on my stepdaughter Sophia, that would not have gone well.
0: Uh-huh. So,
1: <laughs> kids these days, I'm telling you. Um, so, I, you know, the other thing is she met my she met my father through my biological father through uh, one of her foster families. And um, so since it's, you know, it's one of my dad's cousins where, you know, my mom actually had a relationship with my dad's side of the family, even before she met my dad uh, through her foster family. And so even after they divorced, we, you know, it was important to her that we keep up, With that family and also she wanted those connections too and that side of the family i've been getting phone calls um from from folks i haven't uh, well one of them i really don't know if i've ever met and i've been getting phone calls from them every day um because they knew her back then you know Mm -hmm. and and this is very sad
0: and is your dad still alive
1: he is uh we don't have a relationship Um, But I've heard, I I talked to his sisters, and I heard through the the sisters that when my mom was sick, he was having sympathy, breathing problems, um, which is very typical of him. And me, really, I get it from him. So, um, you know, I asked how he was doing today, and my aunt said that he's going through periods of anger and loss, you know. Mm sadness I didn't expect somehow that my mom would outlive my dad I always ex- I don't know why but I was expecting my dad to go first and he's got Parkinson's now and some other stuff and it just seemed like the world would be more fair I guess if he went first
0: um, when your mom was raising you guys I mean what's your uh, what other memories do you have of of her as a as a personality because I've heard so many stories you
1: know oh there's so many stories you know it was so important to her you know she had all these children and it was so important to her that we no matter what um, I think the thing that's think of a lot is she wanted us to have good memories good memories no matter what we were doing make this a good memory she wanted us to have good experiences i think we didn't have things we were very poor but she knew that and she knew that even with being poor we could at least uh, have fun so a lot of my childhood was about you know maybe we were going to stay the night at Menzies and Papsies, but we got to go to Disneyland, you know, or we got to go to the, deep, the beach. And the Disneyland thing is something she would save up, you know, all year for us to be able to go because um, it was important to her.
0: What did she do for work?
1: She did um, social work for the state, Arizona State. She specifically, over the years, I, I know she worked on um, with CPS to start with, and that was really hard um, to sort of watch her deal with how hard it was because um, she did case management for CPS.
0: Right. And I think that's
1: one of the hardest jobs out there. Um,
0: and did she do – you, do you think that she sort of was drawn towards that because of her own experiences?
1: Absolutely. I think somewhere along the way she realized that um, – it was really, she was proud of being able to say that she was helping people. And I think that was really, I think it was both important for her to help people. And I also think it was important for her to, to be able to tell people that, that she helps people. Mm-hmm. And she did. I mean, we had, oh my gosh, there was one point we, my father was working for Catholic social services at the time and we just kept hosting refugees at our house at the time there was a lot of Vietnamese refugees in Tucson so my memory of those years is just like person after person who didn't speak a lot of English and would cook us dinner with a lot of broccoli
0: with <laughs> a lot of broccoli
1: <laughs> I was a little kid I hated broccoli so like all I could think about was like oh my god they're going to cook with broccoli again Um <laughs> Which, you know, in hindsight, what a wonderful experience to have had in in many ways. Um, And I think that that overwhelming, like, understanding of the world that, like, you're here to do what you can to help other people is something I got from my mom.
0: What else did you get from her?
1: uh a lot of not not positive things too i think my relationship with her as an adult has been as you know um complicated and uh not always great um and of course it's taken me many years to realize that it's because i'm so much like her
0: (laughs) Um,
1: you know she's tenacious i'm tenacious um. I uh, I love hosting people. I love making people feel welcome, and I, I definitely got that from her.
0: So, what are you doing for the rest of the day? Are you Are you back at home, or are you at, at, at Nicole's?
1: Um, I'm back at home, probably for the night. But um, I need to go pick up a very large photo of my mom that <laughs> will go, will go next to her casket. Um, and it's, it's, they close by six. So I've gotta, I've gotta go there and make sure, make sure it's going to work. And we have, you know, we have until Monday to figure it out, but, um, it was hard to find a photo of her. It's actually really hard. Uh she just you know I realized this I'd never realized it before but she just never wanted to be on that side of the camera she wanted to be she wanted to be up on stage singing karaoke right she wanted people to be entertained by her and that was something she knew she was good at and and enjoyed and had fun doing and had fun doing with other people and that was a big part of her life um but she didn't like pictures of herself, <laughs> so so that was a we had to do some cropping.
0: That's for sure. <laughs> um, uh, what did she sing? What was her what were her songs? Because because actually you're you've told me this before, and you've um, I, I think we talked at one point, and it became clear that um, the the level at which you and your mom understood karaoke <laughs> was way beyond. <laughs> Like you know, way beyond my level of understanding what this thing was about, you know.
1: Oh yeah, my mom started hosting karaoke in the '90s. Um, so not only did she sing really well and understood kind of a lot of nuance about karaoke, she sort of understood how to how to host it too, um, and how to host a good you know how to do a good rotation.
0: The kid rotation how to, how that make, sounds crucial
1: <laughs> yeah I had to make sure you don't have too many depressing songs in a row and you know she had all these rules and what are, what are the rules kind of, well I, so first of all you know you know like not too many or slash no eagles because come on you can't be doing that no eagles um, I don't think so yeah or at least you you know you cut them off pretty fast yeah um, same, you know, with like hotel, you know, Hotel California is like the worst offender uh-huh. of that. So no, no Hotel California.
0: It's also incredibly uh, long.
1: Yeah, totally. It's like super selfish to choose to do that song
0: if you're going to karaoke. Okay, so no Eagles. What else?
1: She would help people with um, understanding their range. So she heard them do a song and that they might have struggled with. She'd go up and recommend other songs to them that she felt you know you I think you could do this other song by this other person I think it would fit your range and so she had a way of like well she was very good at this anyway but she she had a way of of helping while also (laughs) making you feel bad
0: it sounds like it sounds like in karaoke as in as in life she just didn't she didn't like to see a situation where she she knew how to set it right
1: yeah, exactly. Uh, I think a lot of it was about control for sure. So, and you know, karaoke is fun. It's fun as hell. And it's, um, she liked helping people get over their fear of public speaking or public performance. Um, but yeah, she'd also tell you if, if it was the wrong song. <laughs> so, <laughs> I definitely have had that. Told to me many times in my life which songs I should not sing uh-huh. uh, and I don't know it sucks really because I feel right now like I you know karaoke was a she, she has her own karaoke machine at home for you know since we were all teenagers basically karaoke is like what we do at every party every celebration and so I now because of her getting sick perhaps as a result of, of the karaoke hosting night, don't feel like I ever want to do it again. You know, that's where I'm at with it. with karaoke. Too mad at it. Yeah. And it won't be the same without her. You know, I kind of, especially like as I got older, I, I sort of only kept doing it for her you know, at parties and stuff like that. Um, so if she's not there, there's not really a person to do it for,
0: you know? I hope it comes back over time.
1: The desire for karaoke? Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, singing in general is so important to her. I'm down with singing. Um, I think that's cool. Of course, now, I'm not down to singing <laughs> because it's not good, you know, for COVID um, if you're with a group of people to have singing because uh, you just potentially project too many air particles. So, for example, with her funeral, I typically would expect we would be singing along and we might. We do have some songs that are going to be played, but, you know, we're not... I'm not bringing in anyone to sing live.
0: Yeah,
1: all of the singing will be recorded, and um, those things are hard because it's just not—it's just not the—it's not the funeral that that we'd want for her. I guess so we're doing our best.
0: What songs will you have?
1: Oh man, we're doing Ave Maria by my cousin who is my mom's goddaughter and has a beautiful voice. Um, my mom loved Schubert's Ave Maria. Mm-hmm. So that'll start us off with a bunch of crying at the beginning. Um, there's another song. I don't remember it as well, but it was a church song. She has a best friend. I don't know now of 35 years who, um, They were in a folk group together at church when we were kids. So she chose a song that's a Hail Mary kind of. It starts with the Hail Mary and goes from there. One of those kind of like folky things. And then these two will absolutely kill, which is um, we're ending with the rose Mm
0: -hmm. by Bette
1: Midler. Bette Midler's unless we can find a copy of my mom singing it, which we're searching for, and that would just destroy everybody in the room. Yeah. Um, And then a a secret, secret, actually I said closing, but there's one more song after that, that I will keep you wondering about until after the funeral.
0: (laughs) Um, If you could ask you one more thing... um, is it easy to make sense of the very personal, individual, particular experience that you're going through now? And then you go out your door into the wider world in Arizona and beyond that into the whole of the United States. And there's this whole, I don't know how to describe it, I just have this image in my head of what happened to you, and what happened to your mom? Just going on over and, over and over and over and over and over again.
1: I think so. I think that is what's gonna. That is happening. I think it's gonna get worse. I think we'll refer back to this period of time because so many grandchildren, like my like my mom's grandchildren, will say, you know, I lost my grandma in the in the virus. Um. You know, I I still listen to the news-ish. I I have to admit, uh, not so much (laughs) this week. Um, It's really hard to hear numbers, I guess, um, right now, because none of the numbers reflect the personal nature of losing someone.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And I actually think that's part of the problem, too. The numbers aren't working. They have not convinced anybody well, they've convinced some people, but not enough people.
0: Um, they do have this strange—you uh, know—a a tiny number isn't enough, but a gi- yeah. but a gigantic number is also too hard to get your head around. You know what I mean?
1: Exactly. Totally. Yeah, and uh, I think there's two things that are re- that I I'm sort of ignoring because I think, you know, I decided earlier this week to take my anger and put it in a parking lot until later. Um, I think last time we talked (laughs) that anger was definitely there. Um, but like, there's two things that sort of enrage slash make me sad. Um, and one of them is just the straight up callousness of like, and selfishness of just, I haven't gotten sick, I don't know anyone who's been sick, I don't believe this is real, I think it's a hoax, whatever, and going out unprotected uh, all over. Uh, and not, but not protecting themselves either to make sure they don't get sick, and and not protecting others in case they are infected. Uh, and I, you know, my stepfather was in that category. Uh, the second thing that I think um uh, I really can't hear or process very well right now because it's too upsetting is this callousness about well it's okay if it's if these people die because it's because they're sorry because they're old or they have underlying conditions so it's fine um we can lose them it's okay and I don't even like first of all I don't know what to say to a person who like honestly doesn't value life. <laughs> like you know, like that is like such an insane thing to me to just be like, eh, that's fine, whatever. Old people can die. Um, but the other thing is like sixty-five is not that old. And um, um my mom just 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 retired in February and She should have been able to have a big retirement party, which she didn't get to have. Um, And she should have had 20 to 30, you know, 20 or 30 more years. None of her underlying conditions are the kind of thing where she'd be dead in five years, you know. And that's, you know, that's just, she's, you know, the grandchildren are growing up without a grandma without, sorry, they have other grandparents, but, like, without that grandma, Um, and she worked really hard, you know, she was social work, casework, that's not easy stuff, she worked really hard, her whole, um, you know, most of her adult life, so this should have been her break, her time to sort of just enjoy and relax, and it's, she doesn't. She doesn't get that. And so when I see references to this, oh, don't worry about it. Just let just let people die who are old or have underlying conditions. It's too upsetting. Um,
0: hey, listen. Thank you for taking time out.
1: Thank you for for capturing. I've gotten so many. So many nice comments and feedback about our last chat. Um, an encouragement to keep sharing the story. Because, like you said, you know, I think it's going to be a lot of, unfortunately, and I don't want to be a bummer, I think a lot of more people are going to go through
0: this, you know.